such a big topic. Um, when I reflect on when I started, I think what I wish I'd known earlier was that the importance of having the right mentors and sponsors. I had this idea that, you know, it's all it's all just about, you know, what I do and meritocracy. Yes, those yep. things are important. But relationships are important. Re- relationships are how you build resilience into your career. Because relationships might be the stream through which a new opportunity reaches you. Yep. Relationships might be the support you need when you're in a time of famine. Mm-hmm. Relationships might be what actually the source of the applause and recognition for achievements that you you accomplish so relationships are a way of managing volatility and uncertainty which is built into any journey especially a career journey What's happening, y'all? Welcome to the CMO Corner. Uh, today we are officially recording the last episode for the season. We'll come back next season. But today you can see there's a change of location. Uh, so today we are at the Capitol on the Park. And they say it's good for the high life. So next time you are this side in Johannesburg, please check them out. And I'd like to thank the team for making sure that they create this beautiful space for us to record this final episode for the CMO Corner. And today, uh, before we get to our next guest, I want to start off with a poem. And I'm tapping into my other side, uh, where we'll read a poem before we start the show. Um, And you understand why when the guest is officially here. So, the poem is from a book called The Rising of an Aloe. So, I was told to bring a dictionary uh, when I'm interviewing my guest. But let's try and attempt this poem and then We'll get into the interview. So, title of the poem is No Darkness Shall Prosper in My Wake. And it goes like this. You can't have me in the way that you want. You grope in the dark rooms, thinking you can catch my light. But I laugh at the foolishness of trying to contain what is infinite. And in your decrepitude, As you suffer in your chosen home, through me you see testimony that a woman can be resplendent and whole. Uh, And this is from our very uh, own author, Chief Marketing Officer of Spur Corporation, uh, Voyogazi Henda. Wow. How are you, boss? I'm great. Even though I butchered your poem there. I didn't expect that to come out of the archives. (laughs) Oh, oh, wow. What a surprise. How are you? I'm awesome. You good? Glad to be here. Looking forward to our chat. Yeah? Yeah. Happiness. Uh, thank you for making time. So what I normally do is I just put your bio in the description below. Okay. So people can just read that, right? I don't want to like, spend time talking about that. Cool. Yeah, they can read. They can read. But um, you've done phenomenal work. Um. And because I'm very connected in the streets, I made some calls before I came here. Uh, and I found out some interesting things about you, which we'll talk about. That's fine. Uh, but for now, I want you to indulge me. Okay. 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 Um, we're going to have an icebreaker. Okay. That's what I normally do. I don't want you to think long and hard. Um, 
Just shoot the first thing that you think of. Okay. Um, don't think, boy. Don't think hard. <laughs> don't try and be an intellect here and think gonna hard. Try. Yeah, like gonna just try. try. Gonna try. Um, so we'll have fun, and then yeah. we'll get to all the marketing things. Cool. Cool. And this season, guys, we brought some wine. This is the season finale. <laughs> uh, we requested wine. I'm joking. I'm joking. I offered wine. Um, so let's go. Cool. Woman empowerment. Power. Power. Okay. Um, favorite wine. Honey bunch. Malinia. Okay. Uh, growing up, what was your most loved brand or favorite brand? Let's think about your childhood. Wow. Remember, don't overthink. Yo, trying to think what, what did I like as a kid? I had a thing for cream soda. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Okay. Don't know why. Okay. Now I'm going to say words where I found in something that's relevant in your space. Okay. Um, and I want you to tell me how you interpret these words or what they mean to you at least. Same process, don't think long and hard. Okay. Putting people first. Love. United in purpose. Change. Leading in innovation. Courage. Empowering excellence. Hmm. Joy. Okay, and the last one, leading for the greater good. Conviction. Okay, I love that. You know where I took those from, right? Yes. Okay, cool. I definitely know where those come from. <laughs> okay, so we'll go through a couple of things. Um, and I like starting in the beginning and then we'll like ramp up to where you are now. Okay. So tell me like, take me through Vuya as a young girl. Uh, growing up in Kukuletu, I won't say your address since you know that now I know your address. <laughs> um, what, what, what was like your dream? Like, where did you see yourself? Like, what made you excited? Like, take me through that. That room who you are now. I was a big dreamer. So, yeah. unfortunately, after that ad, I got a lot of people <laughs> saying that to me. Ooh, <laughs> but it's actually true. Yeah. I was a big dreamer. I think growing up, I always imagined myself seeing the world. Mm. So I'd watch things on TV and think, I can't wait to be there. It never felt to me like I was confined or limited to the situation or the environment I grew up in. Yeah. And I think that's credit to my folks yeah. for always instilling that in me. Uh, both of them are teachers. Yo. So they were always teaching, yeah. always on. Uh, there were books everywhere. And because I guess I had access to that, it allowed me to immerse myself in worlds that might not have reflected where I was at that time. Yeah. And that gave me fuel or gave my dreams fuel. Mm. So I had big dreams. I I was always reading and scribbling. Yeah. <laughs> Even before I could actually read and write, I okay. always was there emulating those that could. Okay. Um I had a big love for entertainment and music. So I was always listening to artists, what my parents were listening to, what I saw on TV, mm -hmm. and just a huge sense of curiosity. And I guess it's also that childhood sense of freedom of mm -hmm. just wanting to be out there to experience what life has available. Yeah. And that was me. Yeah. 
quite studious because again teachers yeah always yeah. making sure you're there with the books um but yeah i had a, a very carefree energy um, okay yeah that's interesting um when you speak about teachers so i grew up in a household or bigger family extended family where most if not all my aunts are teachers uh Mkul was a teacher and a principal uh, so I can totally relate to like what you are saying, right? <laughs> yeah. We have a family bride yeah. and he'll sit at the dining room table and he'll be like writing and highlighting things. I'm like, I'm cool. You're having a bride, like there's music and he's just like, just, always on. he's on it. Yeah, he's, it's always on. Um, and you mentioned music. Mm-hmm. What's currently in your playlist right now? Beyonce Renaissance. Oh yeah? yeah. Are we cuffing it after this 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 video? I actually like some of the other songs. So yeah. you know, okay, I went we're not through my, it. I went through my cuffed phase. Okay, I mean, now we're done. Yeah, we're done. Okay, cool. So then you go to varsity. Mm-hmm. Do you always know what you wanted to study? And I'm and I'm asking the question because <laughs> I'm trying to get to the point where you're in marketing. It's interesting because marketing was a big detour. Yes, it was. I I actually was in the finance stream mm-hmm. and I guess it's the blessing and the curse of having ability or um, having an the aptitude for something. So yeah. accountants came to our high school the one time and they were like, yeah, if you're an accountant, the world is your oyster. And I was like, ha! the world has to be my oyster. <laughs> I want it in the palm of my hand. Yeah. So I applied and I had the, the right grades to be able to enter that mm-hmm. um, that course and I was doing it and as I was progressing through the years there was just something in me that wasn't really resonating mm-hmm. with it and I think I knew conclusively that okay I think I need to look at a different way okay when I went to do a, a an internship, at a, at a at an accounting firm which I won't name, <laughs> and I dressed up in the most professional outfit I could, you know, get at the time, and I yeah. think it was like blue. Okay. And yeah. I rock up, I rock up at the accounting firm in my blue like two piece suit, whatever, and I think one of the managers is like, "Wow, you look creative." <laughs> I was like, "Okay, I think I'm in the wrong room." Yeah. Um. And it's funny, it sounds like a small thing, but it was in that process where I started to really ask myself, where did I want to be? Yeah. Um, my parents were very big on the accounting finance route because, well, mm. from their perspective, that would ensure my livelihood, right? Yeah. Um, but something in my heart just wasn't at ease with that. Mm. And um, yeah, I got an another internship uh, internship opportunity with um Unilever but most of my friends at the time were like let's just do it cuz it's a big party in Durban aha <laughs> so, so yeah let's go and i i went there and it was just amazing yeah and i just was exposed to so much that got me going like mm. the things that i'm passionate about and I just thought to myself, I think I want to just work mm. here. I want to leave the finance route. And I think when I told some of the people I was in class with, they were like, oh my gosh, you'll never make any money. <laughs> and I was wow. like, that's okay. Yeah. I can live with that. Crazy. And it's been an amazing and amazing experience yeah. ever since. 
So I took a detour and I've you know, no regrets. I've got some type of way that I feel about these finance people that just rock up in the marketing world. But it's fine. <laughs> I think most CMOs that I've spoken to over the past two seasons either were in accounting or finance. Um, I'm trying to think who's the one person that went directly to marketing. Can't remember, but there's a few. Um, but we love it. Uh, and we're glad you guys have found the, the brighter side to commerce. Um, and thank you for the imprint that you're putting into the marketing world. So you then started Unilever. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe take us through that journey. And I say this because um, I've in the midst of me making my calls, I heard you're a bit of a rock star at Unilever. So <laughs> I will say this because... You know, it's awkward when you say it yourself. You're like, nah, I was a rock star in Unilever. So I will do it for you. Um, and apparently you did phenomenally well. Uh, you are a star. You did great things. Um, in rooms where you are not there, your name would come up, um, which speaks to getting a sponsor. Um, one of my guests was Mzamo Masito. Um, and he spoke about getting a sponsor, etc. Um, when you just like, planning your career um so maybe talk to us about that like what do you do what did you get up to what are some of the brands you worked on um and some of the campaigns maybe that you feel like are just like the campaigns um that you remember wow what a journey that was i think unilever has i'll sip my wine such a special place in my heart because it's where i I honed my craft. It's where I learned how to engage and empathize with consumers and how to storytell. And it's such a great environment to start your career because so much time and effort is put and invested in you Mm. so that you really get to grips with what makes for good marketing. So it was an amazing journey for me. I actually didn't start in marketing, so I started okay. in sales, or the equivalent of sales. Yeah. And that was absolutely good for mm. me because it actually bridged quite nicely with the degree that I'd completed and actually what I would end up doing within the marketing space. Learning how the products are actually sold into the retail landscape, learning how that real estate is managed, mm. learning what makes for effective business um, metrics within that environment that you distribute the product in was incredible for me. And it wasn't easy because mm-hmm. sales can be really fast paced. And I think in retrospect, some of the challenges that I had in that beginning phase of my career gave me a sense of resilience and grit that stood me in good stead in terms of what came afterwards. So Two years into my time in sales, I decide actually marketing is where the vibes are. I want to see what people Mm. do there. They seem to be having a lot more fun. (laughs) And honestly, once I made that transition, I didn't look back at all. I, I had so many of my own gifts activated in the marketing space. Mm. My love for stories and storytelling finds a natural home in the marketing space. My curiosity about the world and people find mm. found a natural home in, in the marketing space. So I ended up feeling like I was just so much more alive in terms of what I was doing in my career because all the things that I feel are innate to me had a, a bigger space and a bigger mm. platform. So some of the brands I've worked on they call local jewels in the in the food portfolio, but Robertsons, mm-hmm. 
Raja, Norox, Aromat, um, beautiful local brands that yeah. have such a special place in South African consumers' yeah. hearts that I got to, to work on and be a custodian of. And that just opened up more doors within the organization. Um, I was able to then go and spend some time abroad working on the Knorr brand, which is amazing mm. because firstly, I was in London, yay! <laughs> and it's one of the biggest brands in the Unilever stable, yeah. uh, in the nutrition um, portfolio. And there I got to work with so many amazing individuals on campaigns that were focused on new um, product offerings and innovations that mm. we wanted to trial in emerging markets. And that was just a, a powerful part of my career because it, it allowed me to grow in ways that I, I hadn't ever thought I would. Mm. And yeah, I then came back, um, was looking after Robertson's and some of the other seasoning brands, which are very, very big yeah. and important in the unity of a nutrition stable. And yeah, things snowballed and then I got more responsibility. Yeah. And it ended up actually leading that business unit um, okay. for Southern Africa, which was a huge honor for me, especially because, you know, there wasn't a black woman in the time that I was at Unilever who'd had that kind of responsibility within that division. And yeah, I got to have so much fun. Mm. And it's it's been incredible because... I think you meet so many amazing people working at Unilever. Some of them move on to mm. like lead big yep. organizations like Google. <laughs> um, but yeah. equally, you you just get to work on these brands with so much responsibility and autonomy that yeah. actually when I reflect for a young person that's starting out and growing in their career is incredible in mm. terms of a learning platform mm. so yeah i think it's hard to condense it all but some of the things i've enjoyed working on with the Ma masterchef sponsorship we sponsored that we've had amazing creative that we've done um on brands like norox that have really shifted per perceptions yeah um aromat is always a lot of fun yeah before i left actually we just signed off a script and i was so pleased to turn on the tv and i was like oh this it's is the ad live, it's finally yeah. live so I've had a lot of fun and I mean, I can't even think of all the amazing things we've worked on, um, but it's been a joy actually spending time in that business. And you mentioned that you started off in like a sales role. Yes. So you've got customer experience mm -hmm. and then I know you also have category experience mm -hmm. and then you've got brand experience. Mm -hmm. So you, you almost have the, the depth and the breadth in your career. Yes. Um, what are some of the learnings that you think have helped you currently in this role um, that you took from back then? Mm -hmm. Versus, I'll make a typical example, Tabani who's just in brand and possibly has been in brand for 10 years or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, what does that rounded view experience help you in, in the future? I feel like having the depth and the breadth really amplifies the value that you bring to a conversation. Yeah. I think... With marketers, well, with marketing evolving in future, it serves you to be able to comment or understand the interrelationship of different functions to what the brand delivers to the customer or the mm. consumer. So I learned early on about the importance of having the big picture view. 
how does my input affect the rest of the chain? How does it affect the big picture? And that also allows you to handle some of the challenges that arise because you understand that this report or giving the sales team this um, this direction in terms of what to focus on and distribution has a bigger role that it plays in us mm. delivering the results of the brand. It it makes you have respect for each person in the chain or in the ecosystem mm. because everything that those people contribute adds up at the end mm. of the day. So it gave me it gave me a sense of humility to appreciate the different facets that contribute to what a brand does for customers. Mm. It also gave me a sense of um, of 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 grit of the ability to withstand change. Yeah, I think part of my life, or not life philosophy, career philosophy rather, is building mastery okay. not wanting to just be a superficially talented person in a space but to really know the nuts and bolts of it yeah. to be able to speak with conviction about what it is that i do and that has curiosity built into it mm-hmm. right you have to be curious about why do things get manufactured that way mm. why do we have these processes why you know, how does the brand get treated when it gets to this part of the journey and its distribution? Yeah. Why do retailers want what they want from a, a, a manufacturer? Why do they want what they want from a brand? Mm. What determines the value of that real estate? Why do you want to be at a, uh, at a shelf or off location? Like, why do those things matter? And building up that knowledge then allows you to be that much more impactful Mm. and to make better choices. And that's what I took from spending time doing all these different things. And honestly, I think it kept me growing as well. Mm. So this insatiable desire to keep developing, keep being better at what I do, also came from this this journey of depth and breadth. It's Mm. like, okay, I'm good at this now, but else can I focus Mm. on because I'm humble enough to know that I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. So there's always an opportunity to grow. Mm. Yeah. And this, this attitude, what they call in Buddhism, the beginner's mind sets you up for any new experience. It sets you up to get the most out of it and to bring the most to it because you have no qualms. Yeah. Not knowing. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so beautiful. So why Buddhism? Why your reference to Buddhism? I think you'll be hearing curiosity come up a lot in terms of my life's journey. But I always ask myself what makes certain things that I haven't been exposed to what they are. So I come from a Christian background, um, also strongly African and and traditional in terms of our cultural practices at home. So Buddhism is probably like on the other end of the spectrum of anything I would have been exposed to growing up. But in my life's journey, I was able to spend some time um, in in Asia just uh, just for a trip with a friend. And I was exposed to some of the Buddhist philosophy. And I was like, wow, 
you don't actually need to be practicing the faith to be able to extract some of this wisdom and to apply it into your life. And holding a beginner's mind is something that I think is useful for me as somebody who is always facing new situations. And I reference it because it's been a very helpful way for me to just deal with life is how to just keep an open mind and, yeah, what's new? What's emerging? How do I respond to this in a way that's open, just like a child would? Mm. Yeah. So do you think that curiosity, the what I would call the the Buddhism, call it, um, or gravitating towards that, um, has had an impact in you and your leadership like style? Yes, definitely. But how? So I'm a big fan of what is termed conscious leadership. Okay. Let's talk about that. So leaders are playing a very important role in society. Yeah. And by definition, leaders have to have a sense of perspective. Okay. They influence others Mm -hmm. in terms of how they think. Mm -hmm. They, you know, set an example of, you know, what a person with responsibility and resources should do with those things. Mm-hmm. So they, they have a, an important role that they play. We mm-hmm. look to them in times of crisis. We look to them to show us what is the right way. And I think once you have that kind of responsibility, you have to also have a sense of balance. Mm-hmm. We've seen what happens when leaders are not balanced. Sure. You just turn on the news. Yeah. And there's stories about leaders who've abused their responsibility Mm. for their own personal gain. Mm. I don't want to mention any names, but yeah, like I said, (laughs) open the newspaper, go online, it's all there. And I think we're at a time where if you are given the responsibility to serve in a leadership role, then it's not sufficient to just be good technically. Sure. You're leading people. And are you impacting those people for the greater good? Are mm. you helping them unlock their gifts? Are you helping them transform themselves for their own betterment and the betterment of those around them? Are you holding those resources that you've been given custody of in a way that ensures that they will be there for the next generation? Mm. These are the questions I feel like we're grappling with in society and I think we, we we sometimes don't put enough emphasis on why leaders actually have to be individuals sure. that have done their own internal work yep. to to lead in ways that are responsible so that we don't hand over a world or a business or a brand in worse shape than how it was handed to us. So it's a very important principle to me mm. so that I'm not just, you know, someone who just sits in like panel discussions and who hasn't really done the work to hold my responsibilities in a way that's meaningful and helpful to those around me. Beautiful. Okay. So while we spoke about leadership, uh, your curiosity, um, when I look at your profile, you have done a lot of things most people haven't done in a short space of time. I won't even equate this to age. I'll park the age conversation. <laughs> <laughs> because I introduced you as the youngest CMO. Now people want to know things, but <laughs> not here, guys. So 
what do you think are some of those I I want you to give like practical tools okay skills right mm-hmm. I think curiosity is probably one of them mm-hmm. but if you can think of more that have allowed for you to climb the corporate ladder in a very short space of time because you started I think customer category um global brand manager mm-hmm. you then went to if I'm not mistaken marketing manager um Director. foods and refreshments director brand director and then marketing director mm-hmm. and roughly a year on each <laughs> i'm not sure if that's like a good thing or like a bad thing <laughs> but you are flying mm. um like what do you think you got right that's a big question um look i think it's easy to look at this last phase and think yo you know things were f- like she was flying but before that phase, there's this time of what I, I don't know what the the term they call it in agriculture. But you you you're sowing your seeds. Yeah, you're you're you. taking the weeds out. You're mm, making yeah, sure. Lima. Yes, you you, yeah. you 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 you're, you're plowing. You're making mm-hmm. sure that the ground is fertile. I don't want to labor that analogy, but I spent a lot of time making sure I had a solid foundation. Okay. It meant that certain choices that I made at the beginning seemed silly. Okay. Where perhaps my peer group would have been moving quickly into new roles. I sacrificed that pace up front because I wanted to make sure that I had a track record that I could rest on, that I could build on. So it meant that maybe I spent an extra year in a role. Okay. It meant that I turned down an opportunity to jump to a new organization mm. in that beginning phase because I wanted to build something for myself, not for anyone else, for me, yeah. that I could look at and say, damn, I'm solid. Okay. So that would be one tangible thing is yeah. I made an investment in the beginning to build a solid foundation. Mm-hmm. I think um, I, I talk a lot about storytelling, but I thought about the story I wanted for my career and it involved having experiences that would enrich me and make me unique. Mm-hmm. And that meant that I pursued certain projects or certain responsibilities, even if they felt a little bit uncomfortable. So I always made choices for putting my hand up for things, even if I didn't feel like I was 100% ready for them. Okay. Can you so, give me examples of those? Um. So the one that is coming to mind, the one that's coming to mind is we were tasked, well, there was this movement globally to actually build little task teams for specific strategic work streams. The one was plant-based and at the time I was very comfortable in working in the South African context with my local dual brands and I knew what I was doing. Mm. And when the opportunity comes and my boss is like, look, I think this might be interesting for you. I think, oh, I don't really know much about this. I know something, but not enough. And I'm like, actually, this might work well for me mm. in terms of making me well-rounded because I'm leading a team here. I'm working on very specific projects here. But if I extend the value add that I bring to a global context on a very strategic, a globally strategic work stream, mm. it might unlock more things for me and I might learn so much. Okay. And that opportunity was so 
eye-opening mm. in terms of influencing how to think strategically about a new growth space that you're not operating in. Yeah. How to mobilize and work with people f- remotely because at the time this is yeah, happening, yeah. it's all like COVID and no one's walking around and it's just terrible. Yeah. But how do you build relationships online? How do you influence teams to deliver against a very big strategic pillar without some of the crutches that we usually rely on? And it it just, it gave me a sense of confidence in what I was able to do and how geographically broad my impact could be. Mm. And that came with just putting my hand up for something that I wasn't 100% sure ticked all the boxes of things Mm. I've done. And just, yeah, listening to to the omens at that mm. at that time yeah okay okay so i want to fast forward because i'm not got time i think you and i can sit have wine and just yeah. like <laughs> chat the whole day Definitely. but i'm gonna respect our time Definitely. um where i want to like kind of fast forward now to call it maybe looking back mm-hmm. and i say looking back because the company you come from focuses a lot on purposeful led brands we yes. all know that yes right to your current role now. Mm-hmm. So now you chief marketing officer of the Spur Corporation, mm-hmm. right? This includes for those that don't know, Rocco Mamas, yes. Panarotti, yes. Spur Spur, where we have our ribs, ribs. and rib and chicken. That's the yeah. only thing I always have at Spur, by the way. The wings are good too. Is it? Mm-hmm. Okay, I'll try them. Um and I'm even there, there's elements of it where I'd argue I've seen a, an element of a purposeful led brand, even mm-hmm. there at Spur. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some of those fundamentals that you can share with your experience about how to build purposeful, a purposeful lead brand? Mm-hmm. They're like a blue and a red pill that says, hey, you know, in Matrix, they're like, pick one. Like, what do we do? I wish it was that easy. <laughs> what do we do? What are the fundamentals? Like, just a snapshot. I think the first is making sure you're relevant and you're serving a need that exists. Yeah. Um. We don't want to be woke washing or green washing yep. a brand because customers are actually quite savvy now. They're able to pick up, mm. you know, inauthentic, inauthentic communications from a brand very quickly. Yeah. So you have to identify a space where there's a real need, but your brand is credible enough to speak to that. Yeah. And I think that's a, a fundamental component. Um, it's also to not just want to do purpose for the sake of it. Mm. It's the team that is working on the brand or that organization has to fundamentally see that as part of their value set. It's, it should be how you are. Yeah. So it shouldn't feel like something that's forced or something that's, you know, this effort that you need to apply. Yes, there's hard work, but it's something that you should find alignment in because it speaks to the values that you Mm -hmm. have as an organization. Mm -hmm. So, the spur purpose is to lead for the greater good. It means, therefore, that our brands have to have a contribution to society mm-hmm. that goes beyond just, you know, what we do for revenue. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's key, making yeah. sure that there's alignment with your values and being authentic and internalizing that as a team, living mm-hmm. it and breathing it. And I think the last bit is about consistency. Mm-hmm. I think we... As marketers, we sometimes, you know, get bored with our own stuff and yeah. you want to change and go after the next coolest yeah. influencer or whatever. Yeah. But consistency is a very important aspect of building a brand, especially if you want to build 
purpose and be known for having a specific contribution. Mm. So that might mean that you sacrifice your own excitement as a marketer mm. to do the things that are right and that are timely for the people that you serve. And okay. I think those would be the three things that come to mind. I mean, there's always a lot more, but yeah, those those are the ones that I think of. And in the case of Spur now, as a group, so you, you sit at group level. Mm-hmm. Which means there's a lot of brands. Mm-hmm. It's like a handful. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you then, at your level, almost funnel your brain to look at Spur, look at Rokumamas, look at Panarotis, I saw others, I forgot them, mm. excuse me, um, and Has make sure that you like cater for all in a strategic way across all of them and they don't get mixed up. Because that's a big job. It is, but that's why you have a team. <laughs> and I think one of the important things with having a team is you empower them, right? Yeah. With the right level of clarity and with the right level of guidance so that they're able to execute on what each of the individual yeah. brands need. Yes, you also have to be pretty good with managing your own time mm. um, because each brand is at a different stage. It's yes. got a different set of needs and demands. So you have to be able to switch into whatever mode is necessary mm. for a brand. So certain brands are quite small. They need to be nurtured, might be more local and tactical that you need to be um up the, up the level you need to be operating at for them. Big brands need a little bit more care, more stakeholder management. You need more clarity in terms of how to future-proof them, etc. So it does mean managing your time so you give the brands the right level of focus mm-hmm. um, in terms of your expertise, but also making sure that you respond to the needs of the brand based mm-hmm. on where it is. Sure. You can't take a one-size-fits-all approach. Mm-hmm. And with those three things... And just leveraging the team, you're able to get to what you need to get to. Mm. You don't get to everything. And that's yeah. where prioritization comes in. Yeah. Certain things just have to wait. Yeah. And that's okay. You don't have to do it all at the same time. Yeah. That's a, a big lesson as well. And while we're on that topic around your level sitting at group level, right? And you sit in the exco committee, obviously. Mm-hmm. Or executive committee. Mm-hmm. And you're a marketing person. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the reasons we started this podcast, mm-hmm. I've got this thing ne, mm-hmm. inside of me, so strong, mm-hmm. where I've seen that a lot of marketers don't get the respect in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. Um, you have been on the other side where you didn't sit in the boardroom, but your name was in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. Your name was in the conversations. Now you sit in the boardroom and there's conversations that are actually happening and your input mm-hmm. is just as important right now. Mm-hmm. What do you think, one, is the input that marketers should be giving in the boardroom? And two, what inputs are we not giving in the boardroom? As a result, there's limited people that are actually sitting in the boardroom from a marketing perspective. It's a great question. I think marketers are the voice of the consumer. They can bring contact with reality and the real world in a way that's not abstract, that's not theoretical in a way that can be really impactful. Sometimes we don't play that role because sometimes we're distant from the people we serve ourselves. Mm. 
But I think that input is valuable in contextualizing the impact of the decisions that we make in that boardroom mm. on the person that ultimately is voting for your brand slash your business mm. with, their, with their wallet. True. I think sometimes we shy away from that. Mm. I think sometimes we think it's not tangible. Yeah. But what could be more tangible than speaking for the person who is yeah. parting with their hard-earned money on yeah. a daily basis to yeah. purchase your goods or your services. Um, it's an important role. And I think sometimes we look at the P&Ls or the profit and loss statements, income statement, balance sheets, and we forget that there are people behind those mm. numbers that are influencing what they look like. I think sometimes the disservice we do ourselves is not being data-led. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of historic baggage around the the discipline about it being about pretty pictures and hard stuff. And that is true. There is a lot of feeling and emotion that comes with the craft. Yeah. But equally with some of the things that we're doing in the in the digital marketing space, you can actually measure the impact mm. of the decisions we make sure. creatively in terms of communication and the investments we make behind brands. So Bringing in that data is an important thing to talk mm. about the impact and the influence of our creative on people's behavior, mm-hmm. on our bottom line, mm-hmm. on the brand itself, on the business as an employer brand, on so many facets. And I mm-hmm. think sometimes we we don't give do ourselves that favor of just knowing the numbers that speak to the efforts of, of our marketing. Yeah. And I think that's what businesses want from their marketeers is to mm. be able to balance the art and the science, mm. balance the hard stuff, but also the number stuff that show the impact of your choices. Yeah. Okay. I love that. Um, and if people are listening very carefully, there's a lot of um, insights that you shared there on how to better ourselves as marketers mm. in the room. So I don't want to shy away from the fact that you are a female. Mm-hmm. You are a black female, this mm-hmm. one, mm-hmm. right? Um, and corporate generally doesn't treat you in a way where you are included. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's it's sad because after so long, you'd argue that we should be operating in environments where there's sufficient inclusion and diversity. Um, I want to know, because I know you're very passionate about this as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so take your time. <laughs> Maybe this is your moment to release. <laughs> but it's a very serious conversation which yeah. we need to unpack on maybe some of your experiences. Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe for me, for my own selfish reasons, what a younger Vuyogazi uh, should prepare themselves for um, and how maybe to navigate uh, all of this. Such a big topic. Um when I reflect on when I started, I think what I wish I'd known earlier was that the importance of having the right mentors and sponsors. I had this idea that, you know, it's all it's all just about, you know, what I do and meritocracy. Yes, those yep. things are important, but relationships are important. Re- relationships are how you build resilience into your career. Because relationships might be the stream through which a new opportunity reaches you. Relationships might be the support you need when you're in a time of famine. Mm. Relationships might be what actually the source of the applause and recognition for achievements that you 
you accomplish. Mm-hmm. So relationships are a way of managing volatility and uncertainty, which is built into any journey, especially a career journey. Mm-hmm. I think that's an important piece. And sometimes as black women, we want to do things alone mm-hmm. out of fear, out of trauma, out of disappointment. And we struggle sometimes to ask for help and support. But a lot of what I've learned over the last few years has been some of my greatest blessings have come from leaning on others. Mm -hmm. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, I think in trying to manage the challenges that come with being in spaces that aren't inclusive, um, you definitely have to be resilient because you can't interpret what that system is saying to you and internalize it as a shortcoming on yourself. Mm. Sometimes we take all the things that happen in those spaces as a reflection on our deficiencies. Mm. And that's not the case. Sometimes you need to take stock of where people are and not take their comments or feedback as a reflection on you and your inabilities or abilities. Mm. And sometimes we... We, we just shrink ourselves mm. and it's a coping mechanism because if you're in an environment that you don't feel safe in, you will maybe want to protect yourself. But I'm learning increasingly the importance of being able to sleep at night knowing that I've lived true to who I am mm. and knowing and accepting that not everyone will find that palatable. Mm. But I'm okay with that Mm -hmm. because at the end of the day, I need to be happy Mm. that I've lived truthfully to who I am and I've exercised the gifts that I've been brought to this life to exercise. Mm. And unfortunately, we wait for permission. We wait for others to concur and agree. But as much as I spoke about relationships, it's also important to realize that part of this journey, it is individual that you have to be asking yourself every day, am I staying true and living true to who I am? Am I living from my, my sovereignty Mm. and not waiting for an environment to tell me that I'm worth it, to tell me that I deserve to be here, to tell me that my ideas matter. Mm. And that's why I spoke about the time that I invested in building my own foundation because that was a gift I was giving to myself. Mm. And I don't necessarily think of myself as having disproportionate gifts or talents than other people. Mm. But I knew that with consistency and time, I could unlock what I have within me. And there will always be skeptics. There Mm. will always be racists. There Mm. will always be people that seek to feel good about themselves by putting you down. Mm. At a certain point, you need to draw a line in terms of how much that is going to be internalized and become your operating system. Mm. So I found myself in places where I am the only one. And for a long time, I used to lament that. Now I think if I'm the only one, then how can I shake this room? And also, if I walk out and I'm still the only one, Mm. then I've failed. Mm. And I think it's also a provocation to those that walk before us and 
are content mm. with not doing what they need to do. Mm. Not shouting about it, but doing what they need to do. Mm. And I think that's something that leaders across the board need to ask themselves is who is here because you opened the door mm. and you opened that door because it was the right thing to do, not because you had an expectation out of them. And mm. if I can do that in a way that's honest, authentic, credible, sustainable, then I've, I, I've accomplished what I've been put on this earth to do. And yeah, that's not something I need somebody else to tell me to do. Yeah. Oof. Would you say that's your purpose? <laughs> oh, let me ask the question differently. How would you define your purpose in life? And maybe you can say in corporates as well. Like, if you were to spend time and say, let me define my purpose, what would it be? It's such a difficult question in that every time I think, ah, I've got it. <laughs> I've got it now. And it's in that punchy three-word <laughs> statement. Ah, then it's like, mm, then it evolves yeah. or something changes. And I'm like, shucks, actually, maybe it's this. So I feel like it's this ever-evolving thing yeah. because we live in we live in communion with life. Life influences us, we influence life. So there's this beautiful dynamism that makes it change. But if I had to distill some of the things or, or, or principles that emerge every time I'm living from that place of purpose, mm. I'm activating something. Mm. There's something that is there. It's either untapped potential, it's unheard, an unheard voice, mm. it's someone that hasn't been considered, it's a broadening. So there's an activation and mobilization of sorts. And then there's always transformation. Yeah. So being in service of activating positive transformation is, is as close as I get to it or activating unimaginable transformation. And I feel like I'm always in service of that. I'm always facilitating or bringing that to the fore in some way. Mm. Yeah. So it's somewhere there. Um, I usually know that it's that that's that I've operated from purpose when I I look at an individual and they've just blossomed. Yeah. And they've blossomed in a way that only they can blossom. Yeah. And their fragrance is starting to help others blossom too. And then yeah. I'm like, okay. I've I've done what I needed to do. That's yeah. beautiful, man. That's beautiful. I think yeah, I'm looking at the time. <laughs> uh, I think we can call it an episode, a season finale. Um, thank you very much for coming to the show. Um, I think you're one of the marketers that are in hiding, like you're incognito. <laughs> and I'm glad I'm the one that brought you out to tell you the truth. Um, and I know your type, ne? that wants to hide and do the work and not speak about it. Uh, I suffer from the same thing. So when you actually mentioned earlier on that actually... You've learned that it's not about just the work, but mm. also building the network, the sponsors, mm. etc. I could totally relate to that. Mm. So, as we close off, let's cheers. Yes, we have to. Thank you, boss. Cheers. You're a rock star. Thank you. Um, and in closing, um, before I close by thanking the people at uh, the Capitol on the Park for allowing us to record here, um, there's a couple of things I want to share. Okay. Um, and I'm going to share to the world so that they know that I know you. 
that me, I've got friends now in high places <laughs> at Spur. Um, that you don't know that I know. Okay. So, Uvoyo, guys, ne, is born on the 14th of October. So, 14th of October, you must just wish her a happy birthday. Benimtandile. <laughs> Uh, I know very well that you're a prefect at school. Oh my gosh. Oh, <laughs> oh my word. Um, uh, how do you say bye in French again? I know you speak French. Achette. Okay. Achette. Uh, Voyo did add maths at school. Oh. So you can only imagine that she's a clever lady. You've heard by everything she said today. Uh, and I know you did art and you're very good at it. Uh, we must have a painting date. I'm trying to like figure out how to paint, but I think I'm not getting there. Uh, and I'm told Miss Keith, oh. love you very much. <laughs> She's an amazing artist. Is it? Yeah. And she, she was one of the teachers who just encouraged you to be like yourself. Yeah. Unapologetically. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll end it there before I look like a stalker, guys. And people don't, <laughs> don't want to sit on this chair next to me. So thank you for joining me. It's been an honor. Uh, thank you to the folks at the Capitol on the Park. Thank you for creating the space for us. Uh, guys, make sure that you check them out. And it's a wrap for season two. Uh, hopefully we come back bigger and stronger next year uh, for season three. Uh, and we do the things that need to be done, man. It's a wrap. Thank you, guys. Cheers. Uh, so today we are at the Capitol on the Park. And they say it's good for the high life. So next time you are this side in Johannesburg, please check them out. And I'd like to thank the team for making sure that they create this beautiful space for us to record this final episode for the CMO Corner. <laughs>